forgive me if I am a little bit subdued this morning. Uh, both Isaiah and I uh, were sick this week. Isaiah did not go to school all last week, and I was there with him sleeping more than we should. And actually, pray for Janice because she had to hear us whine all week. <laughs> so pray for Janice. And now Janice is with Cammy, who has a fever and who's now caught our thing. So. She's uh, tending to Cammy at home, so be in prayer for our family and for everyone who seems to be going around uh, illness, sickness, so um, we pray uh, for health and in this time when uh, the flu and other viruses seem to be going about. Uh, but we're continuing in our The Wonders of Tor, or not The Wonders of Tor, but Wonder series, uh, where we talk about uh, uh, the wonders of God and how we grow and are transformed when we are, take the posture of wonder and awe of God's works and God's place in our life, and that that is the correct configuration or the right configuration uh, to live um, live the life in Jesus Christ that's empowered um, by the Holy Spirit um, as we, with childlike faith, uh, lean in and trust in God with open-heartedness. And so that's wonder. And, you know, we've been in the midterms election season in our country, in the U.S., and things are still up in the air, right? Uh, who is going to control the House of Representatives? What agendas are going to go forward? And is the red wave going to be complete or this and that? And some of us are holding our breaths like, what's going to happen? Or, you know, what, what's this going to mean? And I think in the midst of that, the truth remains that Jesus is sovereign, amen? And that God is in control. God is in control of our nation. God is in control of our world. God is in control of our lives, our households. God is in control of um, history. And so um, we lean into that as we continue to love our neighbors, as we continue to love people around us. Uh, we love with the knowledge that Victory is in God, and that he's in control, and he doesn't change. And the one, uh, the one party that we can trust is God. We believe as the church. Um, I'm going to read. Um, so it's just one section of Psalm 119, um, and I'm going to be reading from the Common English Bible Version, Psalm 119, 17 through 20. Be good to your servant so I can go on living and keeping your word. Open my eyes so I can examine the wonders of your instruction. I'm an immigrant in the land. Don't hide your commandments from me. I'm worn out by longing every minute for your rules. God, this is your word. Uh, may your will and your teaching and your transformative power 
move through us today. In your name, amen. Uh, eat. Eat. Uh, Eugene Peterson, who authored the message version of the Bible, was a longtime professor uh, Regent Seminary. Eugene Peterson wrote a book that's called Eat This Book. Eat This Book. And, uh, and the image, the metaphor, comes from Revelation 10, 9, uh, where, and I'll just read it briefly here, uh, so, uh, starting from verse 8. Then the voice I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, Go take the open scroll from the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and told him to give me the scroll. He said to me, take it and eat it, and it will make you sick to your stomach, but sweet as honey in your mouth. It will make you sick to the stomach and sweet as honey in your mouth. Uh, and then in his book, Eugene Peterson, in kind of summarizing this passage, said, and so John, who's uh, the author of Revelation, he put away his notebook and pencil, he picked up his knife and fork, and he ate the book. And the metaphor here is often when we approach scripture or the word of God, we try to dissect it. We try to figure it out like it's a manual or we try to learn about it or go to classes to kind of, you know, analyze the Bible and, and take out um, truths, right, um, uh, from it. But Eugene Peterson's kind of thrust and, and thesis is that Scripture is God-breathed. It's alive, right? It's the living word of God, and we miss out on the power of Scripture to shape us and form us when we just approach it like a textbook. We need to, like the angel says, eat the scroll. We need to devour Scripture. The other image I have is of, you know, cows chew their cud. Do you know what cud is? All you youth out there, do you know what cut is? Right? So cows eat grass, right? They're eating, eating, eating. They swallow it, or they don't completely swallow it. It doesn't go into their digestive system and digest like us humans, but it goes into storage, right? It goes into, I think it does go into their stomach. And then later on, they throw it back up. They vomit it up, and they re-chew it. And so that's called cud. Right? So could you imagine if we did that as humans? Like, oh, the, the, the sausage and the eggs you ate this morning. Oh, I'm feeling hungry again. Let's just throw it up and retaste that beautiful taste, right? Maybe some of you experience that when you burp and have gas and you taste what you ate before. Sorry for you light, you know, people light in the stomach. Praise, the uh, praise God, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's not here to defend himself, but my dad, you know, like growing up, he's just, I don't know, he'd like burp, like he, he had all this gastro stuff, and he'd burp, and then I'd hear him like chewing, and I'm like, what is he chewing? And then all of a sudden, the car would be filled with the smell of garlic, and I'm like, oh, what's going on there? Um, I have, I have illness mind, so please, uh, I'm going to be, yeah. Um... <laughs> But chewing the cud, and, and that's the image um, 
for meditating, right? When we meditate on God's word, when we, when we ruminate on God's word, it's like a cow, like chewing the cud, like regurgitating and re kind of pulling out nutrients and sucking all, like you're sucking on bones, sucking the bone marrow, sucking all the juices and the nutrients, everything you can get out of, out of the food, right? Not just surface level, not just objectively, not just, you know, factually, or not just kind of dissecting it scientifically, but being, allowing ourselves to be transformed and affected by the word of God. And Eugene Peterson, um, he's big on Lectio Divina, which we, we practice oftentimes in our, our community. Um, Lectio Divina as a way of interacting with scripture uh, less on a kind of intellectual way, but in a kind of a heart transformative way where we listen to the word being spoken. We listen for a word or phrase. We receive the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit has to say about that word, about the scripture. And in doing so, um, it allows us to open our hearts in wonder to God's living word and what God wants to do um, in our hearts through his words in, in ways that are out of the box or out of the brain, if you will. Are you with me, church? So eat this book. Eat the scroll. Eat the word of God. And when we look at our passage, we go back to it. This is what uh, the psalmist is saying. Be good to your servants while I can go on living and keeping your word. Keeping your word. Open my eyes so I can examine the wonders of your instruction. In other versions, it's law. The wonders of your law. The wonders of your commandments. He goes on, don't hide your commandments from me. I'm worn out by longing every minute for your rules. How often do you hear that in our world, right? I'm longing for your rules. Please give me your rules. Please, people. I'm longing for them. If you're like me, I'm like, I'm longing for no more rules. Please don't put any more constraints on me. Just let me be free, right? No, no, no. Who longs for rules? Who desires instruction and commandment? Our tendency is when we hear commandment or rules, maybe, okay, maybe I'm personality biased here because there probably are, you know, a lot of rule followers here where it's very important. And I honor that. I'm not, you know, I honor that in people. <laughs> um, but oftentimes when we hear instruction or rules, it's more of like, it's not like, Okay, now I am being biased. Yeah, maybe it does excite some people, but I'll just go with my personality. You know, it doesn't get me excited. It feels constraining or, oh, just another thing uh, on top of me. But the way that the psalmist is writing this is he or she wants God's commandments, wants God's law, wants God's word wants God's rules. And the word for instruction here in verse 18 is Torah. And you might be like, oh, that sounds familiar, T Torah, right? That's, 
technically, Torah is the first five books of, it's the Pentateuch, right? The first five books of the law uh, in the Old Testament. Um, but beyond that, it's used to mean God's law, God's commandment, God's word. But even beyond that, it's more than just God's commandment or God's rule. It's like, it's a way of life, right? It's the air we breathe. It's the culture. It's the liturgy um, of God's word played out in the daily lives of God's people. Does that make sense? It's culture building. It's ethos. God's word is everything. It's what defines and identifies worship. It's what defines and identifies God's tribe is God's Torah. And so it's so much more deeper than just a list of rules or commandments on a piece of paper. It's God's instruction, God's rules, God's word, but it's also living, right? There's a, it's taken life. And, um, and this is what the person is longing for. If you can hit the next slide. Um, our call to worship came from, out of uh, Psalm, one of my favorite Psalms, Psalm chapter 1. Um, and if you remember Psalm chapter 1, blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is what? In the law of the Lord, the same word there, Torah, the law of the Lord who meditates on God's Torah day and night, right? Meditate again, chewing the cud of God's Torah day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Whatever they do prospers. So there's definitely something more going on here than just a simple kind of reading of the word and kind of we're sitting in a Bible study, breaking it down, or even it's my devotional time. You know, what's a principle? What are three principles I can draw from this word? But this, the psalmist here, and Psalm 1 is like a, an example of a Torah psalm, like a, a psalm about God's Torah, about God's law. But there's something a lot more intimate happening, right? It's like this dance. It's like this deeper relationship. This person is meditating, right? Upchucking, right? God's word and chewing on it over and over and retasting it, retasting it, re sucking in the juices of God's word day and night. And because of that relationship, because of that, that, that dynamic, they will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water that bears fruit, which yields its fruit. What are we talking about? We're talking about transformation, right? We're talking about going back to our passage Open my eyes so I can examine the wonders of your Torah, right? 
not on first glance, not even on second glance, but open my eyes even further, even deeper to the wonders of your word. To the wonders of your word. And, you know, there are times when I really struggle to read scripture. And you may say, Dave, you're a professional scripture person, aren't you? You're a pastor and you preach a sermon every Sunday. And like, yeah, but I look at my father's Bible, you know, his lifetime Bible, and it's just shredded up with marks and like tears and tape and like, you know, writing in the margin. And I'm like, I'm humbled. I'm like, man, Janice's mother who recently passed this past year, um, and she led different Bible studies for older Korean women just outside of the church, just at her home. And, you know, when they found her on, you know, there was like, Bible open and like magnifying glass to like read the scriptures and like notes like crazy madman like you know mad scientist notes everywhere like and that inspires me like these are the types of people that just chew on the scripture you know and my Bible doesn't look like that because I can't write on my phone not just <laughs> like but like it's different. It's different. And it shouldn't be, right? Um, and when I struggle with God's word or struggle with prayer or struggle with being with God, you know, I'll go through the motions to help me get back into it. And I'll read something. Usually, what do I start off when we're struggling with scripture? What do you start off with? I open it up to the middle of the Bible and read a psalm, right? I'm like, surely the psalm will have something to say to me or speak to my heart through its poetry and through its worshipfulness. And it's really difficult. Um, and I'll take one shot and I'll be like, oh, okay, okay. A tree planted by streams of water. A tree planted by streams of water. I'll take another, uh, another shot. Okay, yes, like imagery, that's great. Imagery, I'll take another shot, right? And I'll give, sometimes we'll give up, right? I'll give up, ah, oh, whatever. God, tell me, like maybe through osmosis or in my sleep, give me some sort of message from the scripture. I did, I did my part. Um, and God could even work in that. But I think there's even more that God wants us to fall in love even more with his word, that God wants us to dig in even more with his word, and that God wants us to, you know, regurgitate his word and chew on it again and again and again just like tea, right? The longer it steeps, you know, the more, the deeper the flavor that comes out. Or like a fine wine. So it is with God's word, the physical word, but also the Spirit's work in our souls as we're ruminating, as we're meditating on what God is saying to us. Amen? Amen. Open the eyes so I can examine 
the wonders of your instruction. And it's interesting also to me to see 18 juxtaposed to verse 19, I'm an immigrant in the land, don't hide your commandments from me. Because there seems to be, as I see it, there's a relationship between our eyes being open to the wonders of God's words and commands of his Torah and the state of being immigrant in a strange land. Go with me here. That that's a liminal space. We know liminal is like the space between two places, right? It's a transition space. It's a space not of security. It's a space not of comfort. It's not a space where we know the language, where we're adept at um, the culture or where we're experts at the rules or the societal norms of where we're at. But as an immigrant in a strange land, it's much of what I experienced in my parents, like they don't completely fit in or completely know the ways. They know the, wh where they're coming from and they kind of have one foot in the water and one foot on the land. Uh, but not completely rooted, right? And so where does your rootedness come in that kind of uh, dependent transitional space? Your rootedness comes from God's law and God's word, amen? And so, again, that connects to the wonder that we've been talking about, that having that childlike faith, having that humility, and openness to need uh, God's word, to need God in the moments when we're wandering and we're not quite sure. And you don't have to be an actual immigrant to experience the immigrant, right? A stranger in a strange land or a pilgrim traversing the desert in Exodus or being in your life, you may be in transition between jobs, between cities, between states, right? You could be transitioning. Your physical health could be transitioning. I know uh, Tito and I were playing Capture the Flag yesterday, and I, I definitely had a transition in my phys physical, <laughs> my physical abilities from my 20s to now in my almost 50s, right? There's a, there's a transition that we experience. We age or um, people pass away or even our culture is shifting so quickly and so fast. What we knew yesterday is not what we know today. Uh, the other day, I led uh, our youth Bible study and I was excited, right? So the first week, you know, the first week we did a lot of icebreakers and I had a more kind of structured, I got a curriculum from online that did all these creative like slideshows and stuff. And I think the, the youth really dug it, right? Right? You guys liked it. It was all right. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to go to my bread and butter, right? Inner varsity. Manuscript study. If you're familiar with InterVarsity, right? The manuscript study, that's where you have like the blank, you know, no verses, just the scripture on a blank piece of paper, and you give them markers and they like, you know, draw on it, underline stuff, and then you have an inductive Bible study 
So I was like, you know, if I could teach college kids to like dive into scripture, we could teach youth to dive into scripture. And man, I've been out of the game for a long time. Like, I lost their attention like that, right? I was like, how do I get this back? I don't know if they're getting anything out of this. And I'm like, you know, you're, you're asking the same old observation questions and they're like, you know, talking about different things. And that whole story is just to say, you know, things change, right? The, the, the ways, the things that we use to... Um, Swim across the lake yesterday is different than how you swim across the lake today. And so we are all immigrants from one extent to another um, in the land. And also, we also live among true immigrants, right? People who are refugees, people who are, have been displaced, people who are without home, people who do not speak the language, people who do not have documentation, and are immigrants in the land. And this psalm, psalmist is in their shoes, is recognizing that part of them. Open my eyes so I can examine your wonders, the wonders of your law. I'm an immigrant in the land. Open my eyes. I'm an immigrant. I need you. Let me, I am a tree. Let me be rooted in you because I have no land. I need you. Every hour I need you. Day and night I need you. How I need you. I meditate on your word day and night. Show me the wonders of your law. I need it. I need it to survive. I need to eat your word daily, daily, daily to be alive. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Uh, and as we head closer and closer to Advent and your gift and your, your life and your birth in our world, uh, help us to be more aware and more in touch of our wonder of you. Help us to be in awe of who you are and the greatness and the immensity of you who created the heavens and the earth and surround us. We need you in our lives. We need you to survive. We don't live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth. And so speak to us today. Speak to us as we go from this place. Speak to us words of transformation Speak to us words of love. Speak to us words of encouragement. Speak to us new names that give us new identities. Where there were ashes, 
give us crowns of beauty. Where there is parched land, fill us with your living water. Where we have been listening to words of death, words of discouragement, and passing those words on to others um, because it's the air we breathe and we don't know anything more. Replace those words with words of life. Arise, arise and walk. Arise and live. Arise and hope again. May your word be seeds planted in our hearts. Dear, the power of your Holy Spirit, let them take root deeply, deep wells of water in our hearts to grow up into mighty oaks of righteousness, sturdy, life-giving, giving life and shelter to others around us. May your word do a work uh, in us as individuals and this body. May your word go out from this place, dropping seeds in the terrain around and uh, yeah, spreading life and renewal and redemption and good news. Good news. You have food good food and water that will fill us that if we drink it we'll never thirst again and we can't will it sometimes we can't will life and joy in our own lives in our households in our workplaces uh, in the people around us Lift us up and fill us with your renewal, with your living water. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.